I'm very impressed you are up on daylight savings time. I believe that uh, the daylight savings time, this version of it, now the fall back part, I'm, I'm all for. The spring forward, I believe that is a tool of Satan and uh, should not be allowed. I just think we should fall back. Just keep falling back. Just get an extra hour of sleep every day. And man, it was so good sleep too. It was raining. It was just, ah. Oh. Anybody else love to just take a nap or sleep when it's raining? Oh. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just love that. Uh, I did share last week, and we're looking at these, these uh, four weeks. We're looking at like Jesus, because I believe with all my heart, if we want to experience the life to the fullest, Jesus is the perfect example of that. And we're going to look in uh, John chapter 8 today, and if you have a Bible, I strongly encourage you to open it up to John chapter 8. I'm going to share a couple verses, and this morning we're going to see how Jesus thought. How did Jesus think? So we can think like Jesus. And uh, last week I shared about pray like Jesus, and I want to ask, because I said I was going to start out this week this way, we, we talked about how when Jesus was in the garden, he says, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass, let it be, but not my will, but yours be done. And what that was is this relationship that he had with the Father, and he prayed boldly, prayed boldly, and he, and he surrendered completely. And I challenged this last week to take an area of our life, whether it was a hope or a frustration or a fear or an anxiety, and in that area to pray boldly, God, here's, here's my heart in this area, but then surrender completely in that area and pray this week that simple pattern to pray like Jesus. And I said, I'm going to ask you if you did that at all, even if it was one time this week, I want you to raise your hand. So go ahead and raise your hand if you did that this week. Awesome. Very cool. And let me ask you this, if you had some kind of result, now here's what I mean by result, it may not have been a resolution, but if you experienced a perspective that you didn't have before, or a power to get through it, or maybe it was just a peace in the midst of that, would you raise your hand real quick? Awesome. See, because that's what God does, that's how God works. This morning when we look at think like Jesus it's going to be in those same areas of life, and how would Jesus think, and how did he think? Because if we have two thoughts this week, if we just focus on these two thoughts, we will literally experience our world the way Jesus intended and the way he desires us to. So in John chapter 8, verses 29 through 32, we get a glimpse of these two thoughts. Let me just read it out, and we'll, we'll go through it. The one who sent me, this is Jesus speaking, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would show us how you thought so that we can think like you think, so that we can experience life. Speak during this time. In Christ's name, amen. The first thought that Jesus had is in that first part. He says, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. The first thought Jesus thought on a regular, ongoing, daily, moment-by-moment basis is that God is always with me. The God the Father is with me. He's not left me alone. And if we act in that way, think in that way through our day, our day is going to be different. But 
our world tends to creep in on us, doesn't it? Because we kind of think too often we get some truth, we get the realization, and we know in our hearts God is there, but it doesn't affect our thoughts. Because here's the deal, what we think we do, what we do becomes our habits, our habits form our character, our character will determine our destiny. So it starts with a thought, where are my thoughts? And if we look at our society, and if we're honest with ourselves, there's probably been a moment where we've had the thought, well, you know what, I do believe in God in that, but you know what, if, if I had a little more money, my life would just be easier. And that's our society. And right now, there's a big Powerball and all, and I, I actually looked up one of these, and I looked through winners of the lottery, because I think we kind of tend to lean towards the lie that if we made it big, then we would, we would be okay. And yet, how many of you have ever read a story or heard about somebody who won the lottery, and it literally ruined their life? And I read through several of these stories, and this one kind of tended to be the epitome of them. And shockingly, one of the gentlemen in the early services went to high school with this guy in West Virginia, and he, he told me the story even more detailed. But Jack Whitaker, in 2002, he owned a, a construction company that that year grossed about $16 million. He was literally a millionaire. And yet, as if we believe in this idea that money is going to make us happy and be the answer, it wasn't enough because the root of all evil is money, not money. Money's not evil, but the root of this is what's going to make me happy. If that's my thought, that's the evil part and it will destroy. Because Jack bought the Powerball ticket and won $315 million in one pop. At that point, people would say, well, that, that's it. That, that makes you happy. You got more than, you, than is enough. But here's what happened, just some of the highlights. In the first year of him having won that, he spent over $3 million in lawsuits of people trying to get money from him. He said he could not go out in public. They would go to a high school football game. And he said there would be between 100 to 150 people, strangers that would just come up to him and ask for money. He said, everywhere I went, this happened. Well, money's, he said, you know what, but I, I want to take care of my family and I want to give some away. And he even went on the media and said, I'm going to immediately tithe a tenth of everything I have. And the gentleman who was his friend in high school, knew him in high school, said that never happened. And the truth is what Jesus said. He says, if you're not faithful a little, you will not be faithful with much. It will just reveal who you really are. He said, but I want to do for my family, and surely this will be the answer to their happiness as well. And he just lavished them. And he says his whole world changed when his granddaughter came into the world, and, and he just wanted to lavish on her. So on her 17th birthday, he had given her four cars and a $2,000 a week allowance. Because surely that's what a 17-year-old needs. And the tragedy goes on because within a couple years, both his daughter and his granddaughter had overdosed on drugs and were dead. And he had lost the majority of it. One time he went to a strip club. Why you carry it around, I don't know. But he had a half a million dollars in a briefcase and he was, it was stolen out of his car. And I mean, that's just one example. And then it ended this way. He says, you know, and this is a quote from Jack. My wife had said she wished that she had torn the ticket up. Well, I wish that we had torn the ticket up too. Whitaker believes that money isn't what makes people happy. 
He says, quote, family is what is dear. And he goes on to say, I don't know where it will end, but you know, I just don't like myself. I don't like the hard heart I've gotten. I don't like what I've become. He is now bankrupt, not only financially, but in his heart. And that's an example if we buy this lie, but to think like Jesus thought, to think like Jesus thought, we literally win the lottery of life. If I know that God is with me no matter what, last week I told you about an example that a friend of mine gave me that if you see this scripture, this truth is a bow tie. There's the Old Testament leading into and pointing to the knot, which is Jesus, and then the rest of the New Testament where we live is the other side. Well, those who followed Christ, who said, I'm following God, the one true God in Isaiah 41.10, it says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed because I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God himself with us. As we heard in the testimonies of these wonderful baptisms days, people going, I knew something missing and it was God himself. Once we come to that point where we realize that, it makes all the difference in the world. But we have to make that a fundamental decision. Who is God? Is it God or is it me? We have that choice. Love has to have a choice and God gave it to us. And I know there's people out there that just go, you know what? I don't believe in God. Whether they're agnostic or they say they're atheist. You can't really be atheist. It's not intellectually possible. And, and I've shared this before, but I actually have talked to people like, well, I don't believe in God. And so, well, here's the deal. Do you know everything? And they're like, well, if they're honest, I'll have to say, no, I don't know everything. Well, that doesn't stand a reason outside of what you know God could exist. And most acknowledge that. But some will go, no, no, God can't exist. He doesn't exist. So, yes, I know everything, which I tell them by definition, then you're omniscient. By definition, you are God and you don't believe in you. So I, I, can't, I can't really follow you on that. And uh, that, that is not my thought. I heard that from an amazing apologist, Ravi Zacharias. But the truth is, we have a choice. I can be my God. I can say what I think, what I feel, what I reason is what I'm going to do and is going to make me happy. The problem is, if we're honest and we go down that path long enough, we realize it's empty and, and something is missing. Or I can say, you know what, God? I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe and I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart, God did raise him from the dead. And I believe that you sent him for my sin and you sent your Holy Spirit to live in me when I invite you in. And when, I, when you knock on the door of our hearts and we open that door, you say, to as many as receive him, those he gives the right to be called the children of God. When we do that, God is with us. Period, from that point forward. As Jesus put it in John chapter 8, he says, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. And I love what he says, For I always do what pleases him. If we really believe that God is who he said he is, he is in our hearts, he is with us, I, I pray it this way, I, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always strive to do what pleases him. And God, I need your help in that. And Jesus in John 14, he is about to ascend. He says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the, whole, the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. And if we look at the rest of that New Testament, we see throughout multiple parts of the letters to the early Christians, it says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 
Don't get caught in the circumstances. But we live life, don't we? But do we live it as if God is with me every step of the way? Let me give you two examples of this week. So I'm praying through these different prayers of boldly ask and surrender. I'm like, teach me how to do this, Lord. And God, how do I walk with you? How do I acknowledge you're with me? I know you're with me. And that works great until life happens. Until I get into my day. And even through there, I'm learning to pray through that. And I'll give you a perfect example. This past week, we got all the documents. Um, we have four kids. Our youngest was official last November. We adopted a young man. Doc is 12 years old. He's doing great. But it's tax time. Who's excited about tax time? Not me. But we got to have his new tax number. So we're like, okay, so I got to go to the Social Security office. I don't know if you've been there before. It's kind of like the DMV, just not as exciting or well run. Okay? It's, it's just, it's there. But I got my stuff together, and I literally was praying through this. I'm like, God, will you help me expect this? I don't want to have a negative experience. I kind of know. I've heard the, the rumors about it. So I get all my documents together. But God just laid on my heart. Ken, don't go in thinking this is going to be simple. Don't go in thinking it's going to be easy. You're going to make more than one trip. So I went in, and, and I just said, Lord, thank you for that wisdom. I walk in, and sure enough... It's this mass of people, and I get my number, and I sit there for an hour, and I got my stuff together, and they call my number, finally. An hour later, and I go up, and, and I get my, my little window, and I'm like, okay, I've got, here's, the, uh, here's the adoption papers from the court, signed, sealed, and delivered. Here's his birth certificate. Here's his former uh, Social Security card. Here's his name. I got everything. There you go. And she goes, okay, and she's looking through it. She goes, gosh, you know, we need something that has his birth date on it. And I said, okay. And I wasn't being sarcastic. I said, okay, well, follow me on this. This is his birth certificate <laughs> sealed by the state of Arkansas. And it has his name and his birth date on there. But it's his new name. But here's the court documents and that. She goes, yeah, this doesn't, this doesn't count. And I was, I was trying my best. I mean, at this point, I'm just like, okay, can you, can you help me? And she goes, sure. And I was like... If a sealed birth certificate with his birth date on it doesn't count, what does? And she said, well, you need to go to the doctor and get a, uh, one of his records with his name and his birth date on one of the records, and the doctor has to sign it. It can't be a stamp. And I said, okay. And I took it, and she goes, oh, make sure you, <laughs> make sure you take the birth certificate. They're going to need to see that. Okay, gotcha. So I take it and I get that done and I come back the next day and, and sure enough, I come, I get the same one. I said, hey, here's the document. Here's this, this, and this. And she says, okay, that's great. Go over there and we get through it and I get done. But it's two trips, five hours worth of time, but I got it done. I feel like I did well and God was teaching me this week about perseverance and I'm like, okay, Lord, thanks for teaching me that. I got the truth. God, can we consider blessed those who persevere? Now, on the other end of the spectrum, where I really fall short is when I get blindsided. During a day, I'm going through the day, and it's not traffic. I expect I'm getting better about traffic, going, you know what? Go ahead. Hey, don't mention it. I'll let you in. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Hey, I'd use another finger, but that's okay. And just, you know, I just, 
I, I'm, I'm good with that, but I, I fly into uh, northwest Tennessee. I've got to show up there, and I fly in. It's the last flight of the day, and I come up to get my rental car. Now, I rent cars every week. I'm in this particular company. I'm like uh, gold, premium, president, platinum, plutonium. I mean, I just, I could own a car for what I've spent in, in rental cars. And I walk up to the counter, and she goes, oh, okay, um, wow. And she types in her thing, and I'm like, is there not a reservation? And no. I said, well, because normally it's gold. Usually they just go, oh, Michigan, here's your keys. Thanks a bunch. Show me your ID. Go. She goes, um, I'm going to need to see your card. And I'm like, okay, here's my card. She goes, oh, gosh, okay. Um, we, have a new, we have a new policy. Um, if you have a debit card, then, um, then we have to run a credit check, and we have to call your insurance, and we charge you an extra $15 a day. And I was like, no, no, you, you, you don't. Um, it, I'm, I'm the gold, platinum, president, premium, platinum. I said, she goes, yeah, I see that, but it's a new policy and there's nothing I can do about that. And it just, it just hit me. And I, can I tell you, I'm just like, well, that, are you, you're telling me from this point forward, every time I rent a car with your company, you're going to run a credit check and you're going to call my insurance and you're going to charge me more? She goes, well, we have, we have to do that if it's not a major credit card. I said, well, look on this card. Visa, that's major. And Visa is a major, and you can run it as a credit card. Well, it says debit, but you can run it as a credit card. It's a corporate card. No, I can't do that. I'm really sorry. It's our policy. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And she goes, no. And so now I'm feeling trapped, and I'm feeling blind. So I'm like, I'm going to be stuck in this airport tonight. I've got to drive an hour and a half. They're not going to come and get me. And I'm going to have to figure this out. And I'm going to have to get up. And I'm, and my mind's spinning on circumstances. And I'm not acknowledging, God, you're with me. And, I, and I, I can tell you this. This was the epic fail of my week. I said a few things I should not have said. And I said them in a way that was not merciful. And the funny part, not funny, the ironic, horrible part is that day God was teaching me about mercy. You know, bless those who show mercy, for they will be shown mercy. And, and, and mercy is better than judgment. But if we don't show mercy, we will be judged. And I'm like, God, I'm, ah! and I'm just so frustrated. And, and, and I literally stopped for a half a second. I'm just like, Lord, help. And in that moment, the thought came into my mind. It wasn't there before. Well, go ahead and get your luggage while she's doing that. And I look, and there's... My luggage is not there. And I'm like, great. Now I don't have any clothes. And I don't have a car. I'm going to be homeless in Virginia tonight. This is great. And, and, and then I thought, you know what? I'm going to go. And I, I told her, I said, I'm, I'm going to go get my bags while you do this. And I, and I walked down. I get there. And as I'm walking, God was like, hey, maybe your, your luggage came in early. And they just took it off. I'm like, okay. And sure enough, it did. And I got it. And as I'm walking the 100 yards back, God just kind of, this is the way when we ask for help, thoughts come in our mind we don't have. God is with us. And he's like, you know, maybe, just maybe you could stop at one of the other car rental counters and just see what they might have. And I mean, the first one, I look, there's this girl that she's a little depressed because she's got to be there until everybody's out of the airport. And I said, hey, can I, can I ask you a question? She's like, sure. I said, do you have any cars available? She goes, yeah. We're a car rental company. And I was like, I said, this is, can I get one? And I handed her the car. She's just like, I said, do you, do you take this? And she's like, yeah. Okay. And she signed it. In two minutes, I had a car 
and it was a third of the price of what I was going to pay. And I'm like, okay. And I had to walk back by the other counter and, and in the smallest, I'm talking minuscule measure of, of mercy because God had started convicting me about it. I just went by and I'm like, um, I, will you just cancel my reservation, please? And she goes, yeah, I'll do that. And I was like, thanks. And I just, I left and I'm sitting there thinking, God, I, I failed epically here to show mercy, and I didn't turn to you. And if we will think like Jesus, Jesus walked around in every situation. He literally was like, Father, what are you going to do here? What are we doing here? We, 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 we. What are we doing? I want to get to that point. If we will think like Jesus, that God is always with us. And then secondly, if we'll take the time to say, you know what? Not only is God with me, the truth is in me. At the end of that, in verse 32, it says, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's my question to you and I. What do we want to be free from? And when we're in the midst of those frustrating moments, will we stop and ask for freedom? Because when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Do we know the truth, or do we know about the truth? Because if we have accepted Christ, Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. You don't come to the Father except through me. And if I've accepted Christ, the truth is in me. But am I thinking about the truth being in me? And God, what truth that, I'm, that I need right now am I going to put forth? What am I going to do at this point? And we just need that word. And if we'll stop and if we're in his truth on a regular basis, he will bring his truth to mind as we need it. And as we go, and, and if you look at the bow tag in Old Testament, New, and there, we see this in, in Psalm 119, 11. It says, Lord, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It says this in Colossians 3, 16, let the word of God dwell in you richly. In other words, let it just be the first thing on our minds. And in James 1, 21, it says, get rid of all moral filth. And the evil that is so prevalent in our society. And ex humbly accept the word planted in you. Here's the deal. When I am taking this truth and I'm getting honest with God, here's what I'm going through, what truth applies. And I'm reading a chapter and I'm taking a verse and I'm memorizing those. It's like I hear God in high def when those tough times come. When I start thinking, Lord, what verse applies? Which one of your truths is real? Because Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 17. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come to I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. This truth that he has given us was meant to be in us to be fulfilled through us. If we'll take the time to say, okay, God, what truth is it that you have? But I can tell you this, in my life, too often, too long, I have segmented my life unconsciously. To think, okay, here's the God parts, but then there's the parts either where I'm tempted or I struggle. And I just kind of go about and I'm going to control those areas. But see, that's not the way it works. Now, humor me for a minute because it is March Madness and I love March Madness. And I'm watching some games and I see this one interview with a coach, the head coach of Kentucky, uh, Calipari. Now, you may not be a Kentucky fan, that's fine. I'm not a big Kentucky fan, I, but I was so impressed with what he said. Because for those of you who don't follow basketball, he's the coach that gets the best players in the country that he knows are going to stay for one year, and then they're going to go to the NBA. They're that talented. But he's like, I'll take him for a year. And, and he made this comment in the interview. He says, you know what's, 
It takes three months for these gentlemen to understand and grasp the concept that it's all together. He says, what I mean by that is simply this. You cannot live undisciplined, selfish, and, and, and just your own way off the court. And then somehow step on the court and expect to be team and disciplined and focused. It's, it's both. And he says, it takes about three months before they go, oh, I get it. You can't be slack in class, just oblivious with your time and not care about others, and then step on the court and experience, oh, well, I care about my teammates, I'm completely focused, and I'm disciplined to do what we have to do. He says, you can't. It's, you're the same person in both. And when we take that truth and say, God, will you bring the truth to me? So when circumstances get tough, I want the truth on the forefront of my mind, thinking like Jesus. If I could put it this way, I had my one-year cardiology appointment, for those of you who don't know my story, about a year and four months ago, I had emergency quadruple bypass open heart surgery. And this past year has been a year of physically getting better, but it's been more mental. I'll have twinges, I'll have unanswered questions, and it just plays on my mind. And I sat down with a cardiologist, and I just needed to hear him, the one who has studied, the know who knows what he's doing. And he just said, so there's no family history? I said, not really. And he says, that, and then look at you. He says, you, why are you here? And I'm like, you're supposed to tell me that, you know? And he's like, well, let's run some tests. They ran a few tests. He did a couple. He says, Ken, I can't tell you why this has happened, but I can tell you this. You're in incredible shape, and you're doing everything right, and you're going to outlive all of us. And when you hear somebody with authority speak that, it's like, oh, I just needed to hear that. Now, see, when we hear the truth, now we live in a society that says, well, your truth is yours and my truth is mine. It's all relative. No, no, it's not. Because if it is debatable, it is not truth. Truth is non-debatable. When you and I get to the point where we realize this is the truth, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Here's the deal. His truth is true. Whether I believe it or not, whether I do it or not, whether I listen to it or not, it is still true. I'll tell you one of the most tragic days in history is going to be the day that we all stand before God. Because we will be there and the truth will be made revealed to all in the clearest sense. And even the most staunch atheist agnostic will sit there and the truth will be obvious. Because it says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And we'll know it's true. And we will experience love and peace and joy and fulfillment in a way we cannot imagine. And it is the greatest day and the most somber day of eternity because those who have accepted Christ will realize this is the experience of my eternity. And those who have the realization that this word is true and they chose to reject it will at that point after seeing and experiencing euphoria will hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. And will be separated from that for eternity. See, that truth is also the truth that in our daily lives, God is saying, I want to be a part of your life. I want to be in this, in your world. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not know about it, not read it, but know it. It's an experiential truth. So my challenge to you and I is to say, take that truth and say, what applies to my world today? I want to think like Jesus. 
And if I don't know if it applies or not, memorize it anyway because God will make that truth become real. When he says know the truth, it is experiential. It is the same. I'm going to try to keep this as clean as possible. It's the same when he says know the truth. It is the same know, that same concept in the Old Testament where he says, you know what? He knew his wife and they had a baby. Okay? That intimacy is the same intimacy of knowing the truth. When we take it and we reconcile it, and it is not easy. People go, well, I'm just naturally this way. That's true for me. Well, it's true for all of us. It's called a sinful nature. I've proven today in a very slight way I'm very capable of sinning. Very capable. But when we know the truth, it can be hard to reconcile our life to the truth. But that's where God steps in and gives us power and perspective and ability to do that. This past week, I'm saying, okay, God, I want to be blessed. Last week, I talked about the prayer of Jabez, how we want to be blessed. He says, bless me, Lord, but bless me indeed. I want your blessing. Well, this week, as I prayed through that, it was like, you want my blessing? And I came across a verse in James as I was reading it. It says, we consider blessed those who persevere. Ah, the ability to persevere is a blessing. And then I came across Matthew 5, where it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the earth. I'm like, wow, that's blessed? Blessed are those who are meek, power under control. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And as I started reading that, God's definition of blessed is not winning the lottery. God's definition of blessed is having every tool we will ever need for every situation and the power to fulfill it in our lives so that we can walk in power and peace and wisdom. That's his blessing. And when we take his truth and we apply that, we see that God shows up. It's an experiential faith. This week, my challenge to you and I is to ask a simple question and pray, God, this week, you're with me. And if you don't know God personally, you saw what what these people said. You know what? I'm going to confess with my mouth Jesus is who he said he was. And I believe in my heart he raised from the dead and forgave my sin. And I invited him into my life. I'm all in. It's that simple. When he's in, he's in. Act, walk, and think he's right here. What is that area of life that is most frustrating, most hopeful, most whatever in your life? And say, God, be with me in that and help me acknowledge you in it. And then secondly, Lord, will you show me your truth and help me start knowing your truth? There's a difference between knowing and knowing about. Justin, I love Justin. And I don't know if you know this, but his his favorite team is Duke. Justin is a Dukie, okay? He He is in there. And he shared this story with me over lunch one time. He said, Ken, I started writing a blog about the basketball team, and it got kind of picked up, and it got kind of, kind of well-known to the point where they offered me a press credential to the games. I got to go to the games, and I got to go to a press conference where Coach K, this is an iconic coach, and he says, I got to listen to all the guys ask questions. And then I had my hand up one time, and Coach K, he said, I know everything about basketball at Duke. I know everything about Coach K. But he realized he doesn't know Coach K. When he said, uh, he had his hand up, he says, yeah, did you have a question? He goes, yeah, uh, I'm Justin from such and such. And he goes, uh, Coach, and he asked him, and Coach, and he says, Ken, I don't even remember what the question was, but it was a good question. And he says, I asked him, and Coach K just went, hmm, I don't like that question. 
I'm not going to answer that. Next question. Wow. He said, I just got totally dissed by Coach K. This is awesome. But he realized, I, I knew about him, and I know who he is, but I don't know him. And in the midst of that, to say, you know what, I, the opposite is true, where the world offers everything and delivers nothing but heartache. God offers us eternity, perspective, power, everything we're going to need in the middle of where we are if we will think like Jesus. Realize, think, Lord, you are with me, and Lord, your truth is in me. Help me. Help me take this truth and know it where I'm right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for making it so simple. Help us to have these thoughts. You are with us and your truth is in us. And Lord, if we will walk with that thought, we will have the life that you intended for us. So Father, help us this week to do that and walk in that truth. And it's through the gift of Jesus and the power that raised him from the dead that lives in us who follow you that we pray. Amen. This series, Pray Like Jesus, I, I hope that you'll keep praying boldly, asking boldly, surrendering completely. I pray this week we would think, we would think God with me. We would think, God, your truth in me. And next week is live like Jesus. How did he live day to day, and then the week four, uh, Elon's going to share one of my favorite, favorite words. I can't wait for it. I can't wait to see you next week, and we'll see you there. Go ahead and stand up, and we'll wrap up.